thank you for taking the time to listen to the latest message from City Church Preston. We hope that this message is relevant for your life. For more information about church life, please visit our website, citychurchpreston.com. I want to talk, uh, I want to talk for a couple of weeks about uh, this kind of idea of root and fruit. Let's, let's pray. Father, we pray this morning... Uh, that as we look into your word, as we start to consider this, that Holy Spirit, you will take your word and you will plant it deep in our hearts. We pray that your word will be good seed and it will go into good ground. It will produce a huge harvest. We pray, Lord, that the harvest it produces will not only sustain and nourish us, but will be more than sufficient, more than sufficient to nourish those around us too and impact those we come into contact with. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want, to, I want to talk about root and fruit. It's something I've been kind of wrestling with for probably a couple of years, really, I guess. Uh, and I want to kind of share some stuff uh, over the next few weeks. Um, I, I'm really keen on, on change. But, you know, if you've ever kind of tried to make new, new Year's resolutions or change your life or change something or, you know, somehow behave better, uh, doubtless you've kind of come across this kind of concept that the more you try and do something, it seems to be the more difficult it becomes. So, so it's just part of our life, isn't it? Part of human nature. Um, I mean, the Bible talks about that because the law was given, as soon as the law was given, the very thing you wanted to do was the things you weren't supposed to do, that the law said you weren't supposed to. And, uh, you know, if you've ever decided, right, I'm going to, you know, for, for the sake of my waistline, I'm, I'm going to sort of not eat chocolate for a week, then you might not have eaten much chocolate, but as soon as you say, I'm not going to eat any more for a week, the one thing that you can't get off your head is chocolate. And, and you go into the supermarkets, and, and it seems to be they just have aisles of aisles of chocolate, and you notice chocolate everywhere. Every advert is about chocolate. You can smell chocolate. And it's just part of our life, isn't it? The, the very thing you don't want to do becomes the thing that you, start, you can't help doing. And, and we kind of run in this cycle. And I believe that the Bible actually helps us to get to a place where we can experience effortless change now if you're like me that sounds like a good deal effortless change is a bit of an oxymoron because that's not really two words you obviously and very often hear together but but i want to just kind of run through this kind of idea about root and fruit which kind of gets us to this place which would be a couple of weeks time where we kind of start considering is god wanting to work in us to help us change and actually, we just have to work in sympathy. We don't have to fight. And we don't have to struggle. And maybe there's an easier way of doing this. So that's, that's kind of where I'm trying to get to. So if you ever think about, um, if you've ever taken some uh, medicines and you go to the chemist and you get one of those, uh, e- either the, uh, the, the, the cough mixtures with the screw on top or, or particularly the pill tubs, you know, where you have to flick the lid off. And, and they all now have child-proof features, don't they? The interesting thing is that if you can't get in them, if you give them to a child, they'll generally open them for you. We, we discovered that fairly early on, that our kids were much more adept at getting into them sort of things than we were. So I've, there's something kind of, kind of a bit wrong. But, but, the, but the pill boxes, they, they tend to be like tubs, and you can, you can force the lid and it won't come off. And you can put more and more pressure, more and more force... And it still won't come off. But if you twist the lid to the two arrows align, it just goes pop and pops off. 
part of my problem is if I don't have my glasses on, I can't see the arrows. But, but the, you, you know the ones... So, so there's a place where if we can get alignment, then change becomes easy. But if we're not aligned, we can push and struggle and force, and all we do is huff and puff, but nothing happens. And we go around in circles. So I want to kind of just open the scriptures a little bit and start to look at some of those things. So before I do that, you see, I, I think intuitively we know all this stuff. So I'm in the kind of interesting position. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open something to you that you already know. You just probably didn't know you knew. So that's always a good start, isn't it? So if I show you that, you know what that is. It's an apple. So if I ask you the question, I've got one apple... And actually, I want loads and loads of apples, apart from going to Asda's and buying them. How do you get more apples? You sow the seed. So you take the seeds and you sow them. And you put them in the ground, and what happens? It grows, and it grows into a, an apple tree. And then in the season, what happens? It blossoms, the bees come, they pollinate it, and you get apples. Is that quick? So from sowing the seed to eating your first apple might be, I don't know, years. Because the tree's got to grow and then it's got to go through its seasons. and So it might take some time. Let me ask you another question. Once you've sown the seed, do you have any more involvement in it? What do you do? Water it care for it but who produces the apple the tree the tree so, so let me just kind of reflect some of that back so in our lives the bible if you, if you do a, a search in a concordance in the bible and put in things like fruit fruitfulness um, planted harvest you'll get so many references you can't process them it's just full of it, all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm going to pull a few out this morning, just so you understand I'm not making this stuff up. Um, but, the, but the reality is, the Bible is full of this. And, and the Bible uses those kind of illustrations. In fact, Jesus used them predominantly. Jesus predominantly talks about parables that are about sowers sowing seed and it growing. He talks about fig trees. He talks about planting things. He talks about fields of harvest, fields of wheat. He talks about all sorts of organic, natural processes. Why does Jesus always use natural processes? Well, apart from God invented them, that's, that's a good reason. If your dad invented them, that's kind of a good thing to kind of tag on the back of. But, uh, but one of the key things about an organic process is you can't cheat it. You can't cheat it. If you've got an apple tree you'll get apples in their season. You can try your best, but actually you, you might fiddle about with it, but you're not going to change the process. You're going to have to pollinate the flowers, the blossom, and they're going to have to grow, and they'll grow in their time, and they'll grow to be apples in their season. And you can try your best, but you're not really going to cheat that because it's an organic system. Now, you see, we have loads of systems that we can cheat. So we have all sorts of financial systems and we sometimes have people who, who creatively account stuff and they can cheat those systems. If you get caught, they go to jail and all the other kind of stuff that goes on. 
one of mine, which to my shame I kind of recount, is, is um, when I was at university, I found that uh, studying all year, um, how can I put this, wasn't a great use of my time. Um, I, I did mechanical engineering, uh, and I found studying all year was, was, was okay, and I went to all the lectures and got all the notes, but all I was doing was collecting data. I wasn't learning anything. And, and please don't follow this as an example for you. This is not good. But I found that my memory was great for short periods of time, but not long periods of time. So I was that person two weeks before the exam who started to read all my notes that I'd been to the lectures and collected, which I never understood at the time because I never bothered, but actually started to understand them a couple of weeks before. And then the day of the, of, of the exam, I'm the one outside. While everybody else is chatting, I'm like, shut up, I'm busy. And I'm like learning all this stuff. And I'd walk into the exam room, write it all down, pass the exam, and if you asked me fortnight later, I had a clue. Now, I have to say, that's not a great way of learning, and it's not really great for, <laughs> for... Fortunately, I've learned a few more things since that, so I'm not that bad an engineer, but... Um, and I know where to look. It's an amazing thing, Google. But the, but the thing is, we can cheat systems. So, so the idea that was set up, that, that principle of examinations was set up many, many hundreds of years ago, and the thought was that you learnt all year and, and they tested you to make sure you knew it, and, and you would learn all through the year and you would learn loads of stuff. Yeah, well, it kind of didn't work for me. Um, I kind of learned in a different way. You know, and, and we need to find some of those things and we recognise that we can cheat some stuff and we sometimes try and cheat our own spirituality and our own spiritual life. Maybe you're a crammer, like I was. That you do nothing for ages, don't walk with God, and then at some moment of crisis, you start to cram. Oh God, I'm going to pray like mad. I'm going to fast all week. I'm going to pray like three hours a day, because I need a miracle. That's of course not you, is it? We'd never do that, would we? <laughs> but you know, the reality is sometimes we live like that. But the really enriching parts of our lives, in reality, we don't live like that. We actually live in communion. So people that we care about, we try and regularly see and regularly commune with. Maybe that's a good friend, we meet up regularly, we, we have a coffee, we have a meal, we talk or whatever it is. Maybe it's someone you phone regularly. Maybe it's your partner and, and you, you, you live together. You know? And, we're, you know, I've been married 33 years. We actually try and do things together. Sometimes it works. Some weeks we're not so good at it. It's usually my fault, but diaries kind of conflict. But, but we like to do it. But as we do things, we commune together, and that produces a fruitfulness in a relationship. It produces a community, a communication, an understanding, a connection. And that's a much better way of doing it. So, so here's this thing. We understand this process if you're going to, trying to grow an apple. But the Bible talks about we need to recognize that our lives are supposed to be growing fruit. So Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible has a lot to say about fruitfulness. John 15 talks about abiding in the vine. Then you will bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and fruit that will last. I like that full progression in John 15. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit, fruit that will last. Now, 
whatever we think that fruit is, and we'll come to that in a couple of weeks' time, but we want to be people who are fruitful. But you see, sometimes we, we approach fruit and generating fruit a bit like approaching an apple tree, that we plant the apple tree in our garden, and maybe we take a shortcut and we go to a garden centre and buy one and plant it, and we fertilise it and we water it, and then we're sort of like looking at it, trying to egg it on to produce apples, but it will only come in season. And there's little we can do to speed that up. Mark 4, verse 26, this is Jesus talking to the people. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts his sickle to it because the harvest has come. So here's this kingdom principle that God wants us to be people who plant seed, but then allow God to work. And that's, that's a really interesting thing, that, that whether he gets up or he stays in bed, once he's planted the seed, once he's prepared the ground, once he's put the stuff in, once he's done all the things he can do at the front end, whether the seed grows and multiplies has little to do with whether he's watching it or not. Whether he's up or asleep, working or idle, the seed still sprouts and grows. And there is something in the kingdom of God, and it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because I'm saying to you that God wants to do things in your life, even if you're aware of it or not. God wants to produce fruit in your life, that if you'll plant the right seeds in the right environment and stay connected to him, he will grow fruit in your life, and you won't even understand where it came from, how it happened. But you see, our world is very much geared towards doing stuff. We talk about our performance our responsibility you know if you work in any kind of kind of business i guess you have things like performance reviews a couple of times a year where your boss sits down and tells you whether you're good bad or indifferent and how you can improve and do more for less and all those kind of things you know and and that's the world we live in our kids at school or if you're at university you you you, you get marks for exams and assignments and is it good enough or is it not does it pass or does it fail and and we're kind of stuck in that kind of performance loop and here the kingdom of God is saying this is something I'm going to do for you you just have to trust me now that's counterintuitive and you see I think part of our issue as Christians is we're trying to grow fruit and we've confused what's what's a seed what's a root and what's a fruit so let, let me give you one example. I'm going to come back to this in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go through about half a dozen because I think these are the ones we kind of mix up the most. So, so let, me, let me give you this one. We often talk in Christian circles. We don't talk here because we, we kind of understand a little better. But, but you often hear said, you know, we need to be holy. Don't we? We need to be holy. That's a good thing. Be holy. We're, we're not entirely sure what that is. If you ask people what does that look like, they're not entirely sure. But we need to be holy. And people sometimes even quote the scripture, be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. <coughs> oh my word, that's a bit of a standard, isn't it? I, ho I hope that's not an entry criteria for getting to heaven. Otherwise I'm in deep trouble. If the standard is you've got to be as holy as God to get in, I'm stuffed. I've got no chance. <laughs> 
So here's this thing. Here's this, this issue. We, we've kind of made that into a root. So we strive to be holy. Now, you're not all shouting, so maybe this isn't your issue. <laughs> but we often, we, we feel pressured that we should live holy lives. So, so we start to clean our act up and we start to think better thoughts. <laughs> you ever done that? You know, let's, let's have a moment of spirituality and think some holy thoughts. We don't have to talk some nonsense, don't we? But, but we, we kind of strive this thing. But actually the reality is the Bible says something completely... The Bible says that when we become Christians, when we accept Christ, he gives us the gift of righteousness. Now not only does he give us in our spirit the gift of righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Christ. So if you know Jesus this morning, sat in your spirit right now on the 5th of March, you have the gift of the righteousness of Christ. That's what the Bible says. I, I've not made that up. The Bible says that. Now, if that is true, and it is, but if it's true, that means that you are right now, in your spirit, as holy as you will ever be. Because there's nothing greater than the righteousness of Christ. He's given you the absolute top thing in heaven. So you are as righteous as you will ever be in your spirit. Now, our issue is we're not just a spirit, because that's why I can see you, and you can see me. We're actually also a physical flesh, which has its own desires. We're also a soul, which is our emotions, our thinking, our, how, how we react to things. And we need to allow what's in our spirit to flow out, to start to impact and change what's in our soul and in our flesh. And being holy is a, is a fruit of that root of the gift of righteousness. So when God says, be holy as I am holy, says the Lord, he's not giving you an impossibility. He's saying, actually, watch this, kids. I've given you a root, and if you'll just give me the space and you'll allow me to work in your life, I will, out of that root, grow a holiness in your life that will transform and change you, and you will be holy like I am. But you don't even have to work at it. You just have to let it grow. So, do you understand why this is so important? You see, but we spend all our time trying to produce fruit when actually we should be working, working on roots. Because if we get the root right, the fruit will come. It's a bit like sitting looking at this apple and thinking, I want a box of apples. So I'll apply my thinking to it and I'll stress and I'll concentrate hard and try and make some more apples. It's foolishness. Because I can no, longer, no more make fruit than you can. Fruit's a God thing. What I need to do is take the seeds and use the God process to get to the fruit that God's going to make. And the same for apples applies to holiness in our life. It's the same, it's a God principle. And God principles are God principles. It doesn't matter what you apply them to, the principles. And God's principles work. But we need to understand the principles. So, right. So, I think I've done an intro. So let, let, me, let me just pick up a few things. 
So let me read you a few scriptures. So I believe that there are some key things we need to understand that are basic. The first one is that where we are planted matters. Because if you remember the parable of the sower, he says the sower goes out to sow seed, and some falls on hard ground, some falls among stones, some falls among weeds, and they really amount to nothing. But the stuff that falls into the good ground produces a huge harvest of 40, 30, 40, 100-fold, 60, 100-fold. So if we want to allow God's seed that's in our spirit to produce the fruit that we're looking for, we've got to be planted. Yeah? So we need to be, So what does the Bible tell us about being planted? Well, let me just read you a few scriptures. Psalm 1 verse 3, He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Psalm 92 verse 12, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age, bless God, and they shall be fresh and nourished. Jeremiah 17 verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river, will not fear when heat comes, his leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. Where we are planted matters. Now one of the things about being planted, it has an element of permanence. It has an element of commitment. It has an element of security. So if I plant... If I go and get a bulb that I want to get a tulip out of and I plant it in a pot and you water it and a couple of days later nothing's happened. So if I pick it out of the pot and have a look at it, oh yeah, nothing's happened, and put it back in again. And every day I pick it out of the plot and have a look to see, see what's happening. And keep, I'm not going to get, nothing's going to happen. I'm going to kill the thing. You know, we do that with our Christian lives. We uproot, we move, we shift, we don't, we, don't, we don't plant, we don't put down roots. It talks about planted by a river so that we put down our roots into the water so that even when drought comes, when tough times come, when difficulties happen, when stuff happens that we would never ask for, when things go wrong, the roots are so deep, so driven into the source that actually nothing bothers it. We're not bothered by tough times. Not bothered by difficulties, by oppression, by stuff that comes our way because our leaf stays green and we still bear fruit. But you've got to be planted. It talks about in, in, the, in the middle one, in Psalm 90, 92, planted in the house of the Lord. Now there's an element about being planted into community and I think there's a benefit in that. But we need to be planted in the house of the Lord. We need to be connected to God. It's not, you know, church is important, but we're just an expression of something much bigger. And we need to be planted, we need to be connected with God. You know, are we on speaking terms with God? We need to be. We need to be. You know, sometimes we, we, we treat God like some kind of lost relative. And we kind of fall out with him over something. And then we, we're not on speaking terms. You know, and God's like, come on, what are you doing? And, and we can go weeks without speaking to him. And, and we're wondering why we're kind of feeling like things aren't working out. But actually, it's not God, it's us. Yeah. We need to be on speaking terms with God. 
You know, it's really interesting. Right in the beginning of the scriptures in Genesis, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, their reaction was really interesting. Because God used to come and walk in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve, but when they sinned, they ran from God and hid. They separated themselves, and then they isolated themselves. You know, I'm really tempting. There's, there's something in us that as soon as we feel like we've been let down or God's done something we don't like, has that ever happened? God does loads of things in my life I don't like. Later on, I come to understand that that was actually good for me. But nobody ever likes a spanking, do they? I'll not, I'll not say what I was just about to say because that's, that's going to go on a, an iTunes. So, no, you're right, okay. But the funny thing is, you all guessed. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes God does stuff for our good that we don't enjoy at that moment. But it's good for us. But we can't, we can't fall out with God and stop talking to him. We need to commune and connect and keep going. We need to be planted. And we need to be also driving our roots, going down further and further, deeper and deeper, drawing more and more. John 15, abide in the vine. Abide. Make your permanent home. Is that what that literally means? Ephesians 3 talks about let your roots go down deep into the love of God that you may grow to full maturity, to the full stature of Christ. That's not talking about in heaven. That's talking about here. That we grow to the full size of Christ. That's why Jesus said, because I go to the Father and the Holy Spirit is coming, the same things I do, you can do. He wasn't kidding. That was his aim. That we step into that kind of mantle but we need to allow those seeds to grow we need to allow those roots to grow and we need to be planted second thing is fruits expected luke 13 jesus spoke this parable a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none and he said to the keeper of the vineyard look for three years i've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none cut it down why does it use up the ground but he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Matthew 3 says, Now, even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which doesn't bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Mark 11, Jesus is going to Bethany and he was hungry. Seeing the old, afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to it. If perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And then verse 21, in, in the, the morning after they passed by and they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, remembering said to him, Rabbi, look, the fruit tree, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. There are loads more, but the reality is God is expecting fruit in our lives. That's real simple. We're expected to be fruitful. John 15 that you will bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, fruit that lasts. I'm going to talk in a few weeks what that fruit looks like. Because sometimes the fruit isn't what we think it is. And we've been kind of sidetracked sometimes into producing the wrong stuff, looking for the wrong stuff. So I'm going to unpack that a little bit later. But it's important that God intends us to be fruitful. But this isn't a pressure. This is an invitation. You see... 
if, if somebody said, if God says to us, you've got to be fruitful, and that was the end of the conversation, we're in trouble. But God doesn't. God says, I'm going to plant in you the very seeds and the roots that you need. I'm going to do all the work. You just need to allow me to work in you, and I will produce this fruit. And you will produce fruit, more fruit, much fruit, fruit that lasts. You see, this is a work of God. But we thought it was a work of us. See, we've been trying to shout at apples to make them multiply. And you can shout as long and as hard as you like. You can shout in any language you like, but nothing happens. Apart from ultimately, the apple goes rotten. Because it takes that long. You see, the process we need to understand. And God is doing something incredibly, incredibly normal. So it's not extraordinary. And God isn't saying, you know, out of all, all my children, out of all the Christians, I'm going to pick out two or three and I'm going to make you super fruitful. And the rest of you, tough luck. That's not what God's saying. God, God's intention is for us all to be fruitful. Now, if you ever go to a, a greengrocer's or a fruit shop, there are more than one kind of fruit. Now, I know that's deeply theological, but there is more than one kind of fruit. Don't copy somebody else's fruit. Don't stress because you don't have a particular fruit when you carry a different kind of fruit. You might be a banana tree and you're trying to be an apple tree. Be what God made you. Can you be released into that? To be what God made you. Don't, don't, st <laughs> don't stress that you're not like somebody sat next to you. Be you. You are uniquely, divinely made to be who you are. And there is only one of you. So don't waste your time being somebody else because you deprive of us, deprive the, us, the church and the world and God of being the divine you that he created you to be. Don't, don't be somebody else. Be you. And even if you feel that's a bit of a lonely journey at the minute, it doesn't need to be. We're, we're with you. We're with you. And we need to be the unique people that God has... And God has made us different. You will be incredibly glad that you're not all like me, I'm sure. <laughs> because we're all uniquely different. And we need to be who God made us to be. And we need to step fully into that fruitfulness, into, into that maturity, into that harvest seasons of our lives, where we, we allow what God has placed in us to flow out, not just nourishing us, but nourishing those around us. Third one, good trees don't bear bad fruit. Matthew 7, I haven't got chance, time to read all these. Matthew 7, 15 to 20, Matthew 12, 33, Luke 6, 43. But Luke, Luke 6 says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a thorn bush. We need to recognise that good fruit is a hallmark of something that's good inside us. So the good roots that God is putting in us will grow good fruit. Now there is a place where sometimes we plant other seeds. So sometimes we put duff stuff into our lives, don't we? Yes. We plant stuff that we could well do without. And what God has given us is a heart that will grow whatever we put in it. 
So the same principle applies. If we put stupid stuff in our lives, it will multiply and grow. And we can end up with things growing in our lives that we're forever trying to prune, we're ever trying to chop the branches off, trying to stop the fruit from growing and manifesting. The result is that we just get stressed out and we go in cycles. What we need to do is track back and up earth, uproot the thing we planted in the first place and stop planting it and stop feeding it. It's real simple. Real difficult to do, but real simple. And sometimes we plant daft stuff. Maybe we allow other people to plant stuff in our heart. Have you got somebody who feeds your head full of nonsense? Have you got somebody who tells you you're no good? You can't do it. You'll never make it. You're going to fail? Exactly. Exactly right. You maybe need to change some friends. If you've got people who are feeding negatives in, you need to change who you meet with. Mate, people in this room, it's a room full of people who are full of positivity. I can feel it exuding out of you. <laughs> See, if you need some better mates, pick somebody out of here and buy them a coffee. I'm serious. It's, it's really simple. But we, need to, we don't do it often. And we need to make sure that we're putting good stuff in. I'm, I'm going to go quick. But we, we need to plant the right fruit, the right root, the right seed. We need to plant it in the right place. We need to water it. But it's God who is going to give the growth. So we look to that Mark 4. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5 says the same thing. This is Paul speaking. He says, Then who is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And you know, we need to recognize that we are involved in that planting process. That what we plant will grow. And we need to make sure that we are abiding, we're planted, we're watered. You know, and the watering can be, is, is, is kind of key to that, letting your roots go down, being planted, putting deep down roots. To take up that sustenance, that water. That nourishment. And we need to be people who are nourished. People who are challenged and shaped. But we need to think about what are the things that God has planted in my life and allow them to flourish and grow. You know, sometimes God plants something that's good. But we're not sure. Or maybe it's a little challenging. Or maybe it's a little threatening. Or maybe it comes at a cost and we try and stifle it, and we don't let it out, and we hide it. The Bible talks about don't hide your light under a basket. You know, sometimes what we carry is incredibly powerful, yet out of some kind of fear or embarrassment or whatever it is, we don't allow it to shine. You know, sometimes we, we need to just think about we We do... We just pray for Enid about going on holiday and, you know, this time tomorrow I'll be connecting with a whole new set of people. And, and all of those are great opportunities. I went down to a, a meeting in Manchester yesterday and went by train. On the station, bumped into a guy I used to work with. So we have a conversation. Fluke? Chance? 
Maybe God. Maybe God. And somebody says, so how's life with you? What are you doing now? Ooh. Well, let me tell you. Being you asked. Conversation on the train. Going down to London on, on Wednesday. Sat opposite a guy. Started to talk to him about the Lord. I'm not good at this stuff. But you know, sometimes it is just so, it's like falling off a log. If you ask God, sit me at a table, I'll, I'll book a seat at a table. I'll, set, I'll book that seat, you put who, opposite me who you want me to talk to. And God, because I'm bad at this, will you get them to start the conversation? James says you don't have because you don't ask. So I'm sat there, and this guy looks at me. He's got his iPad out and everything. And he looks at me and he goes, so what do you do for a living? Where are you going? And the start of a conversation. You know, we need to recognize that sometimes God plants some seeds in our lives and we just need to let them grow. We need to let them flourish and allow God to grow them in the direction they want to go. And you know, sometimes we're trying to shape everything. Allow God to shape it. Allow God to let it grow where it needs to go. Right, I'm going to finish. I hope you started to grasp some of this. That we need to, we need to get that alignment. A bit like flipping the lid off the medicine box. If we can align things, we can allow God to do so much more in our lives, accomplish so much more, produce much more fruit than we could ever do. And we can see God do some amazing things. But it's simply that. I just want to close with that verse that we read right at the beginning. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle into it because the harvest has come. We are looking for a huge harvest in our lives. I don't want to get to heaven, step through the pearly gates, and St. Peter show me and say, this is what you could have had. Like some heavenly bullseye. Does any people my age know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Look it up on YouTube. <laughs> but, but, it, but sometimes we live our lives like that. We're living as though this is a practice. That, like we get another go. Like we can figure stuff out this time because next time we get another go, we can do it all properly. This is it. This is it for life, for real. And we don't want to get to heaven to suddenly find out we could have done so much more. I want to get to heaven worn out, burnt out, absolutely exhausted everything that God's ever given me. Now, that's an aspirational thing because I'm not sure I'm actually any close to that, but, but that's what I'd aspirationally like to do. Slide in to heaven with holes in your pants saying, wow, what a ride. Not limping, thinking, here's what I could have had. Let's make it now while we're here. Let's see God do some amazing things. We have a nation to shift, a nation to change, people to influence. We carry the hope of God. We carry the answer that they're looking for. We need to let it out. Let's pray. Father, Father, we believe that you are growing fruit in our lives. We already see fruit. We know fruit. We, we, we walk through 
uh, orchards full of fruit in our own lives. We know that, but Lord, we are never satisfied. We believe you have much, much more for us than we even have experienced up to now. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to relax into your grace to allow you to grow in our lives the fruit that you want to see. We pray, Father, that you'll help us to recognize the roots, the seeds that you have placed into our lives. Help us to nourish and water the correct stuff and to uproot the stuff that we need can do well do without. That we may see you grow huge harvest in our lives. And we think of Jacob, who when he prayed over his sons, he said, you are a fruitful bough. You will grow fruit that will go over the wall and nourish others. And we pray, Lord, that we will not just be nourished, although that's part of it. But we pray, Lord, that you will give us such fruit, more fruit, much fruit, fruit that lasts, that will go well over the boundaries of our lives and will nourish those around us. That, Father, that we will be a source of nourishment and life and hope and peace and wholeness for the people that we come into contact with. We pray, Lord, that we will be the missionaries where you place us, that carry the kingdom of God, that truly people will say the kingdom of heaven is near because we carried it there. We pray you will do this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great week this week. Start to release that blessing of God that's flowing in your life and start to cooperate and align yourself with what God is doing. Ask him. Ask him what he wants to do. What's the fruit that he wants to grow in your life and start to see it blossom and grow in its season? Be blessed in Jesus' name. We're so glad that you've been able to listen to this message. And by connecting in this way, we consider you part of our faith community. If you'd like to keep up to date with all of our upcoming events, submit a request for prayer, or find out more about Jesus Christ, what it means to follow him, head over to our website, citychurchpreston.com.